And if we can make a burger bleed, why can't we empower parents with a tool that does mimic all of these cool properties that we can find in breast milk and put into a consumer product? Three big questions for you today. Number one, was the formula crisis avoidable? And watch my most recent video on the formula crisis if you need a primer. Number two, what can be learned from the formula crisis to ensure that this doesn't happen again? And number three, why is nobody talking about the oligarchy that rules the formula industry in the United States? I've got the questions and you're about to hear the answers from an expert. Laura, would you mind introducing yourself and of course telling me about the work that you do and why you do it? So I'm Laura Katz, the founder and CEO of Helena. At Helena, we are recreating the components of breast milk using fermentation. So our goal is to bridge the gap between breast milk and infant formula in terms of how it benefits baby's immunity. So we're creating the proteins that are found in breast milk and putting that into the most advanced infant formula on the market as well as other consumer products where we could be bringing the immunity properties of breast milk to all kinds of foods that help to advance health. So I would love if you could explain to me a little bit, you know, I'm not a parent, I have parent friends, but I am not one myself. Explain to me a little bit the difference between breast milk and formula, at least as we understand it here in the United States. Infant formula is a combination of just commodity ingredients. So corn syrup and maltodextrin and things that we find in all different kinds of foods. And the goal of infant formula is to formulate or take all of these ingredients in the right proportions and create something that can act as a substitute to breast milk if parents can't or choose not to breastfeed their child. And so that is what we have currently available to um, all parents are as accessible as possible. Obviously, recently that's been a challenge uh, to fulfill the nutrition needs of baby uh, in their first year of life. You bring up an interesting point about um, it's not always a decision to use formula or to breastfeed your child. And this is something that I've come across quite a lot in trying to better understand this formula crisis is for a lot of mothers and parents in general, it's not necessarily the choice of, you know, I would rather do this or I would rather do that in many instances. And, um, you know, this is perhaps an indictment on the, the United States in general. That's just not an option for people. They don't have parental leave. They don't have the space to pump their own breast milk at a workplace, um, you know, they, they maybe don't have the resources that they need to make the choice. So it's interesting to hear that maybe there, there now is a, a third option or a different kind of option or, um, you know, the, some sort of a, a next generation of options for parents, I think is, is really interesting. Um, and I imagine your work over the last several weeks has been uh, chaotic, perhaps is, is the word um, that, that kind of comes to mind when I try to wrap my mind around what's been going on as somebody who, again, is not a parent, but can understand that it must be so terrifying to not know where your child's next meal is going to come from. I've listened to a lot of podcasts that have interviewed parents who are in that exact position, who are, are facing the decision of, you know, do I ration my child's formula? Do I try to wean them off formula too early? What What is the, the choice that I have to make here as the adult in the room? Um, and from what I understand, this isn't necessarily a brand new problem. There has been a, a shortage of formula for many weeks, many months at this point. Um, this Abbott 
or this uh, Abbott uh, manufacturing facility didn't shut down yesterday, you know, but all of a sudden we're all starting to pay a little bit more attention to it. So with that, I'm curious about what has changed for you now that the whole world is paying attention to this formula crisis. What, as you know, when you consider your responsibilities at Helena, what has changed or evolved the most over the last several weeks as the mainstream has started to pay more attention to the formula shortage? Absolutely right in that this isn't a new problem. The formula shortage is shedding more of a light on the challenges within the industry, an oligopoly owning most of the manufacturing of the product, a supply chain issue where certain agricultural inputs we we can't get or we're getting in smaller quantities than previously, and, you know, lack of innovation, lack of option for parents. And this was one of the many reasons the company was started, Helena was started. I was listening to a podcast on the subway six, seven years ago about parents going on the internet buying breast milk off of a black market from strangers. And so right now it's a perfect storm and we're seeing so much in the media, in the news about this. And of course, with a a facility shut down making 25% of product, it is a huge concern for parents who can't get access. But I would say not that much has changed with our work at Helena because these are the challenges that we've built the business on and that we've been looking to solve for so many years. And so I do think that in some ways this validates what we're doing because, you know, there is such a dire need for new alternatives for parents and bringing innovation and bringing focus and attention and care to this industry. But we're continuing along the same path and knowing that we've been working towards the solution the whole time I think is quite critical and you know it's just a moment where everybody else is understanding that at the same time. Yeah, and I I find it really interesting that you mentioned Helena was was built on specific challenges. One of the yeah. the big kind of aha moments that I've had over the last several days trying to understand this crisis is nobody's paying attention really to the fact that this is an oligopoly. Like this is a market that is incredibly flawed with flaws that in any other industry we would we would stomp our feet and yell at the top of our lungs about. Nobody's really talking about that, um, at least in in kind of like the main cultural zeitgeist. We're not really hearing people say, hey, you know, it's it's probably not great that 25 percent of formula comes from one specific facility. So why aren't people talking about the fact that this market is flawed in your in your experience? People are coming around to it now and mm-hmm. seeing it. I think unfortunately sometimes something as drastic and dramatic as a shortage and a crisis wakes people up to problems that have been brewing for decades. But as you know, a food scientist and somebody who's developed so many different food products and watches new companies spring up all the time across the food industry, it's a lot more exciting and relatable for so many people to see new innovation and technology and disruption going into a burger than it is a formula. Uh, infant formula is something where you know, it's you you don't really understand the critical need until you're in that moment as a parent. And 
it's not necessarily as relatable as some of these products that we might be, you know, as adults interacting with every single day. And so I think that might be one of the reasons why this has persisted for so long. And one of the aha moments that I had in starting the company was, why is all of this technology pouring into alternative dairy and alternative meat? But there's this whole sector of the food industry that hasn't changed in 30, 40 years. And it, you know, in, in our opinion at Helena, and I think a lot of people could agree right now, it's the most critical area. We should be putting investment, we should be putting, you know, innovation dollars and effort and energy behind. And so I think this right now is a bit of a wake-up call for people. Um, and I wish it didn't have to come to something like this, but it has. And so my you know hopeful perspective on what you know the silver lining of everything here is that people do start to see how critical this category is to the future of nutrition because at the end of the day everybody everybody's had formula or breast milk we all have every single person in this world and so it's where life starts so we really need to be taking a closer look at how these products come to market and what we could be doing to make them better and more accessible. Yeah, it certainly seems like a massive opportunity for disruption. And I think that you bring up this interesting idea that disruption is something that we typically assign to um, what might be considered sexier parts of the economy, like social media and tech and commerce and like Web3. But at the end of the day, none of that would exist if we didn't have, you know, healthy children growing into healthy adults. Yeah, if we didn't have, if we didn't all, like we all start in the same place. Mm -hmm. And what's actually really amazing about infant formula is it's kind of a great uniter. We all have the same needs as babies and things slightly change from baby to baby. I mean, we're all individuals, but this is a product that makes such a big impact on most people's lives. And it's what we rely 100% of our nutrition on until we're six months old that's quite powerful and so being able to work towards making better products accessible and I think accessible is like such a key piece of this conversation is how we need to be focusing especially as folks in the food industry how we need to be focusing our time I think that it's great also to pour innovation and you know new technologies into these types of products but at the end of the day baby eats 25 to 35 ounces of infant formula up to 40 ounces a day in a 24-hour period so that's a lot and we need to be considering you know the volumes that we need to be able to hit as an industry and also how do we match that with new innovation that could make these products more advanced and still bring the product to market in an accessible way. I'm curious as to what the plan is for for getting that access, accessibility angle right, because I imagine that's a big part of the conversation. Um, you know, the idea of, of feeding your child while it is universal, the experience of that is, is, you know, vastly different from person to person and certainly from socioeconomic class to socioeconomic class. So when it comes to accessibility, yeah. what what are your thoughts here? How, how do you ensure that accessibility is part of the conversation when you're considering the future of your product, but also more broadly, the future of this industry desperately in need of innovation? I think there has to be a lot of different options or choice for parents. The 
challenge with having just a couple companies own this whole industry is lack of choice, which can lead to lack of access, which is exactly what we're seeing right now with one plant being shut down. That's 25% of the supply here in the U.S. That leads to lack of access. And there's a lot of great companies, not just Helena, that are working towards the same solution. And I do think it's going to take all of us to be able to provide a variety of choices to parents. This is a big enough industry. This is a big enough need. And so we just need to diversify what we bring to the consumer. I think that this is a a fantastic example of creating a more robust marketplace for any product is typically, and I don't like sweeping declarations, but it's typically (laughs) a net positive for people who are consumers within that marketplace. Now I want to, to pivot for a second here to talk a little bit more specifically about these last several weeks about this formula crisis and this shortage. Yep. Um, I, I think that it would be useful to hear, you know, as somebody who I'm sure works closely with parents, new parents, soon to be parents, what has it been like for people? Parents are really nervous. They are doing everything they can to secure inventory, like personal inventory of infant formula. And I've heard parents going great lengths. The you know, anecdotes of people going on Facebook and getting every single one of their friends who lives in a different city or different state to go to their local, you know, pharmacies or grocery stores and buy out the entire, like, shelf of infant formula is quite common right now. Uh, We've also heard about parents who are trading products, parents that are trying to make homemade infant formula, which I would highly recommend against, uh, parents who are sharing breast milk. So people are doing all kinds of things to feed their children and people have actually been doing that for years. So it's really not a safe place for parents to be, especially if you you just have a baby, you're not getting any sleep, you're under so much stress and pressure from so many different, for so many different reasons, not just to feed your child, but this is a completely new world that you're walking into and you also have to figure out how to secure food for your baby. Yeah, and and that it has to just, in a word, be terrifying. Um, I, I listened yeah. recently to a, I believe it was a Wall Street Journal podcast and they interviewed a new mother who her son was four months old and she said that four months ago they were on their way back from the hospital. She'd planned to best breastfeed, plans changed. She was separated from her child for several days after he was born. And because of that, he had gotten used to being bottle fed. And so she, for the first time on the way home from the hospital, walked into the baby food aisle at a grocery store and mentioned that she had never before been in one and was kind of shocked to, to finally be participating in this part of the economy that it, there was the the shelves were already pretty bare at that point. And I think that that for me kind of drove home this idea of like, I can look at all of this and I can understand it from my objective point of view as a a non-parent, but I also have never walked into the baby food aisle with the intention of trying to buy something. And I think that maybe it would behoove some of us to, to try to put ourselves in that position to understand how difficult this must be, how terrifying this must be. Um, Because to your point, it's not just the stress of trying to feed a child. It's the stress of so many other different elements that come along with being a new parent to add this on top is just kind of, 
you know, it's, it's flabbergasting. Like it's, it's really shocking. Um, and so with that in mind, you know, outside of the disruptive force that you're trying to kind of become with Helena, what do you think could be done better? You know, with sort of looking to the future as we figure out what comes next, having learned what we've learned as parents and as non-parents throughout these, these last several weeks, what do you think should be done? How can the industry change so that we don't come across another one of these formula crises in the next several years? What do you think should be the next move? I really think the next move is to disrupt this oligarchy that we're seeing. I think that there has to be better and more accessible option for parents and that comes from honestly investment and new products in the category showing up for parents not just when they're in desperate need of something to feed their child but being partners with them throughout the whole process of pregnancy to postpartum and raising your child and I do think that it's our responsibility as people in the industry bringing new product and bringing new innovation to empower parents with choice and empower parents with not just choice of product but choice on how to feed their children. I personally am actually right now pregnant and I received one of the first gifts I received was a breast pump and as much as I would love to be able to breastfeed and that would be a great goal. I don't know, just as the, you know, the story of the parent that you just described, I don't know if that's something I'm gonna be able to do. And to be able to enact change within this category, we need to acknowledge that however a parent chooses to feed their child, it's a good option, whether you can provide infant formula or breast milk or a combination and the emphasis that we put on parents and the stress we put on parents to breastfeed doesn't mean that these other alternatives shouldn't see innovation. I think that part of the rhetoric of breast is best, which is really not always the um, the most thoughtful rhetoric to parents who can't necessarily breastfeed has detracted from some of the um, work that has needed to be done so desperately within this whole category of food over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And so we need to, as an industry, acknowledge that parents need to feed their babies however that looks, and there has to be more there has to be more investment into this category for us to be able to build alternatives outside of what currently exists. Absolutely. And I think that so much of this, it, it revolves around almost a, a dialogue shift. Um, and I'm glad that you bring up the idea of, of breast is best, um, which you know is obviously problematic for many reasons, because there's no way of, of knowing what's best for somebody's child who is not your own child. But to be totally yeah. honest with you, I'm a very, like, anxious person in general. Um, I am nowhere near ready to have kids right now. I plan on having children someday. And already I am panicked that I'm not going to be able to, to breastfeed. I'm sure many people listening to this have experienced something similar, especially the women who are listening to this. But it just feels like there's so much pressure to perform a certain way, especially when you're a new parent. And yeah. I think removing some of that pressure is really, really necessary. You know, we can 
do our best to understand that this isn't an oligopoly that is certainly not working for everybody. We need to disrupt this market, but we also need to disrupt the way that we approach conversations about nutrition with parents um, because it's clearly not working. Um, and this formula crisis, I think, has in some ways shown some light on the fact that breastfeeding is not the only way to keep a baby healthy and to feed a baby. And that is not new, but the way that we talk about it needs to be new. Yes, breast milk is incredible, but if you can't or you choose not to breastfeed, that is okay. And you know, it's your body, it's your choice. We wanna make sure and we need to make sure as an industry that we are bringing nutrition to babies closer to breast milk as opposed to relying exclusively on a woman's body to be able to provide that because we do have the technology to recreate these things and if we can make a burger bleed why can't we empower parents with a tool that does mimic all of these cool properties that we can find in breast milk and put into a consumer product and so I think that your your stress about being able to breastfeed and will I be able to do it and like having that thought process is pretty normal and I think it's just it's very okay if you can't or if you don't want to or if you choose not to and it's making parents know that they that that's okay and that there are people in the background really working hard to not just say okay that's okay but we we're going to be bringing you something better. Now with that that eye to the future kind of in mind here, I'm curious about, you know, as we emerge from this crisis, what do you think has has kind of been the biggest lesson from this experience for either parents or, or non-parents who are watching this, who are reading the headlines, who are listening to the podcast, um, and maybe for the first time starting to understand the nature of this industry? We have had a pretty consistent infant formula supply in this country and it's brands that have been around for years and so that's very trustworthy that you know I can feed my child the same thing that I ate you know 30 years ago but you know that I would say is is a feature and could be pretty comforting to parents and that's been disrupted and so I think what we've really lost is trust in this system and trust in the products that we use to to feed our children. And I also think that this is going to be a pretty big wake-up call uh, and something that I hope does continue to be a focus after, you know, maybe there's less media attention to to what's going on, but we need a more uh, robust regulatory process. I would say our regulatory process in the U.S. is is quite good, but we need more attention to the category to push products forward uh, that are sitting kind of waiting to get reviewed by regulators and more resources for regulators to be able to focus on this category. We have a lot of checks and balances in place to ensure that products that we use to feed babies are safe. And that is great. It's one of the reasons why our infant formula supply to date has been quite safe in the U.S., but we need to be able to give regulators more resources to focus on this category for the new products that are coming in, for, you know, inspecting facilities to help and, like, partner with the industry to empower industry players to uh, move faster and to 
you know, m still move fast and be safe. So I'm hoping that as as the future unfolds, that the regulatory players are really focusing more time and effort on new products that come to market. And and I think that in in answering that, you illustrate a lot of um, you know the the moves from especially Washington uh, over yeah. the last couple of weeks have been certainly what you do in a time of crisis. You invoke the Defense Production Act. You ship in uh, you know, formula from other countries that meets U.S. standards. But I think the, the bigger lesson here is what you just mentioned, you know, move fast and also, but like, do it carefully. And it's not, it's not necessarily yeah. move fast and break things. It's move fast and do things right, which is perhaps a lesson that we should take uh, from, from your industry and apply across the board, if you're asking me. <laughs> I mean, and, and we know of so many, not so many, but a handful of infant formulas ready to be manufactured that have yet to be completely reviewed by regulators. And we could be ramping up production here domestically. And that's not necessarily happening right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we need to be able to build a more stable supply locally, and we can. I mean, we have the capabilities. There are manufacturers um, outside of, you know, the big three, and we just need to empower some of the smaller guys, which is, you know, exactly one of the reasons why we're building Helena, but empower some of the smaller people to, to put their products on the market because they're great products and, you know, they just might need a little bit more support from regulators compared to, you know, these big companies that have more established uh, processes and, you know, frankly, capital within the company to move things forward. So I do think that while it's great that we are bringing in European products that meet the nutritional standards the FDA has set, we also need to focus on making more stuff here. Yeah. All about just creating more options, I think, is is kind of the, the biggest takeaway. Laura, I'm, I'm excited to see what you and Helena and the team get up to over the next you know several months and years. Um, it's very, very interesting to hear your story. And I'm so grateful that you decided to, to join me today. Thank you so much. Ah, thank you so much. No, it was great to be able to talk about it. And hopefully the next time we talk, we'll have some kind of Helena product on the market. <laughs> <laughs>